0: morning all chatty and friendly why don't you all welcome Pablo Calderon leading worship this morning for the first time (laughs) and his wife Bethany is back there too next week you can stay for lunch and you can hear a little bit about their plans for missions work in Romania Um, at this time Mike Johnson I'll uh, extract you from behind the drums you I come join me for a minute a few weeks ago, Mark Klein had mentioned that we were considering Mike Johnson as a candidate for an elder here at Creekside, and um, we've decided that he passed the test, so. <laughs> he's, he's joining the elder team. We're thankful to have him here. So I'll, I'll just pray for you and, and for Creekside. Thanks for Mike, thank you for his service to your people in the church here at Creekside especially and just thank you for his life and his testimony and his family and we just ask your richest blessing on him and we just uh, pray for your blessing on Creekside and the, the people represented here that we would continue to grow into a more devoted relationship with you by our being together and the activities that we participate in. We just pray these things and give thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.
1: We're going to continue to worship this morning. Um, I received an email from Nick earlier this week, and uh, he basically just shared a little bit of the thoughts of what he's going to be speaking on uh, on Sunday mornings. And so I don't know what was wrong with me when I was reading it. But for some reason, I misunderstood the word that he's going to to be focusing on. And instead, I read uh, goodness instead of gentleness. And so uh, I was I've I've been struggling a little bit, uh, I I guess, over the uh, last weekend just trying to surrender completely to what god has in store for my family and i uh, in the next chapter of life and and uh um that's one of the things that i tend to have uh struggle with because i like to i'm one of those that just love to have control of of plans and, and seeing them played out before me and and not that i like to pat myself on the back i just love to see something completed after it's been planned and so um surrendering completely to the lord is my struggle uh, but that had to do, uh, kind of connected with uh, my thought of, of goodness because um, after that, that email the next morning, I woke up and, and I actually felt at peace with God after continuing to sing the song over and praying over my, my struggle and and, uh, and and just reading scripture about complete, complete surrender to him. And uh, um, because of that, I was able to feel the goodness of the Lord because I am not doing this with him anymore i'm i'm basically at peace and at the same, same 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 time we won't experience the gentleness of god until we completely surrender to christ you know god uh pay that price on the cross for us so that uh this this wild and and, and crazy powerful god uh would not be uh, at odds with us but but we have the opportunity to come to this morning uh to to be at peace with him and, and surrender our lives to him and so i hope that as we introduce a song you're, you're you're blessed by it you're encouraged i don't know your story and i hope to get to know you so I, i'm able to know your story and you're able to know mine as well and we can encourage each other but i know in a room like this we all have our own struggles we we know i know that we have our times where we have a hard time surrendering to, to the Lord and, and being in his will and so uh, I want you to take this time this morning as we teach it to teach this song to you to, to just search your heart see what, what's keeping you from completely uh surrendering to the Lord and and experience that goodness and that gentleness that the Lord has to offer for us and so I'm going to teach you this chorus once you get the hang of it why don't you go ahead and, and sing it along with me
2: God we are we are desperate for you there's, there's not a moment that I breathe There's not a thought that I think that you don't know before it's going to happen God you have numbered my days you know my days you know the future Father you know my heart right now you know my heart yesterday you know my insecurities you know my guilt You know the shame that I hold on to you know the lies that I believe God You know the things that make me joyful. God, I am in desperate need for you. Even about what we're going to talk about gentleness this morning, Lord. I I desperately need you. I desperately need you to shape me and mold me into the person that follows your Holy Spirit. God, I pray for every heart in this room today that you would just open it wide to what you have to teach this morning. God, that we would be Um, just on our knees, the posture of our heart would be arms wide and surrender to you, knees bent. God saying that we need you, we need you, we need you. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. And I really, I I really um, am thankful for Pablo and Bethany. They're going to come up here right now. I'm just going to ask them a couple questions so that you guys can quickly get to know uh, a little bit about why they're here. You've heard their names, you've seen them. Um, Bethany, you can, you can make your way up here. Um, you've seen them before, uh, they're here, and these two people are, are two of the people, along with Dan and Georgiana, that I, uh, every time I talk to them, I learn something profound uh, from them, because I can tell you what, unless God wrote it in the clouds, I would not go do what they're about to go do going to, to Romania. I mean, what? just even hearing you guys talk about what you're going to do in Romania scares the bejeebies out of me. And so uh, when, I, when I hear from them and, and the faith that, well, I'm going to hurt myself up here. You guys can have a seat. You guys can get comfortable. But the faith that they have to be able to go do what God has called them to do is inspiring to me. But the truth of the matter is that it takes a lot of courage to do what God has asked you to do right here. I am fully convinced that God has asked me to be in Urbandale, Iowa, and I'm totally thankful every single day that he has not called me to a different country because I would be scared to death, but sometimes I'm scared to death to do what he has asked me to do right now. But these are two very special people um, right here. So you guys can use this microphone, and I'm just going to ask you uh, two simple questions. You both can respond however you want to this. This is uncensored.
1: Um, so, it doesn't go online or anything like that, right? It's, I, don't, I don't know.
2: It depends <laughs> on what you say. I'm just kidding. All right, first of all, I want you to tell us exactly. For, I want you to know that they're going to leave October 25th. So they're going to be with us until October 25th, staying with Dwayne and Karen McFadden. So thank you guys so much um, for doing that. But also, like Bob said, next week we're going to hear a little more of a presentation over lunch with them. You get lunch and you get to hang out with these guys. So you can't lose in that situation. Stay after church next week. First question I want to ask you is tell us exactly where you're going to be living in Romania, what that's going to be like, and then the main ministry that you guys are going to be involved in while you're there.
1: Sure. Uh, So we're moving to Brasov, Romania, which is right, almost at the heart of Romania. So uh, why that city? It's where Daniel and Georgie are. So we're going to be living kind of in the same neighborhood, Uh, not in the same house because we'll probably drive each other insane. Uh, Just kidding, we love each other, but uh, so one of the ministries that we're going to be doing is we're going to be uh, trying to reach out the younger uh, uh, generation uh, because they don't have a strong interest in the church uh, as of now, but there is a hunger for Christ, and so we're going to try to do uh, some Bible studies at our homes um, but aside from that, we're also going to be doing some music ministry, not in the sense that we've been doing here in the United States where we travel from city to city and, and fellowship with believers and, and encourage each other. But it's going to be one of those where we're going to train musicians in different churches so that it creates a unity uh, within the church uh, and, and, and um, we, have, we can play skillfully as well. So um, did I miss anything? You have any ideas?
0: We'll also be um, working part-time at a local Christian school in the area. Um, a lot of business people send their kids there because they teach English, and so they don't. a lot of the people don't care that it's a Christian school. They just want their kids to learn English. So um, I'll be doing a lot of administrative work for them, and Papa will be the PE teacher. So that'll be a good opportunity for us to um, get to know those people better too and the children and witness to them and be an example for them.
2: Awesome. The, the, the last question I want you guys to answer is how you both best want to spend your time while you're here with us until you leave.
1: I think we're doing it now. I mean, just fellowship with you guys, singing with you, and um, Dwayne and Karen have been so, so kind to us and been able to spend some time with them as we live with them, and uh, we want to do the same thing with you guys. We want to learn from you. We want to see how you do ministry here. In, in, in Des Moines because, or Urbandale, because, you know, we believe that we're also going to be part of, of Creekside. It's an extension in Romania, so we want to be able to have that like-minded uh, mentality uh, to do the same thing. Uh, obviously, it's a different culture, but, but I believe that the gospel never changes anything for that, and so uh, we could do this together, so.
2: Awesome. I'm going to pray for you guys. Um, I, I really do appreciate these guys as you spend time with them. Um, he says they want to learn from us, um, but I think that we will learn a lot from you guys and your faith. And, and so I want to pray encouragement over you. And so I want everybody to stand up to their feet as we pray as a church over them. And again, again come next week and stay after church to hear more about what they're going to be doing there. You'll have a chance to ask questions and, and just learn um, from what God is doing through them. So let's pray together. God, um, I pray over Pablo and Bethany and Carolina, their daughter, and, and um, God, I just thank you for the courage that you have given them. Um, I just pray over them, like Joshua said, be strong and courageous. And um, God, you tell us 365 times in Scripture, do not be afraid. And so I want to pray that over them as well, and even as I think about my own life and the inspiration that what they're doing. Um, is to me, God, that I, I would pray that over our whole church. Do not be afraid um, and have courage. Um, and so, God, I, I thank you for the, the heart that they have for the gospel around the world. I pray for Romania. I pray that that will become a Christian nation. I pray that um, you would, um, the name of Jesus would be made great through their witness and their testimony and their music and, and um, the mission that you have them on. In Romania, I'm so thankful that we as Creekside Church can partner with them. Um, so we send them out with, with, um, with our blessing, but even more po- importantly, in the power in the name of Jesus Christ. And uh, God, just I, I pray that they would um, be in relationship with us while we are here. Um, that we would pursue those relationships, and that they would be refreshed and renewed and ready uh, to go at it when they get to Romania. Um, and, and so God just. Just pray your power and your blessing over them this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Why don't you go ahead and give them a round of applause and come back again next week to hear more. You're going to have a seat again. Occupy Your Street. A couple weeks ago, um, I read some stories that came from you guys about occupying your street. So if you have any stories about how God is leading you to occupy your street, email them to street. At creeksidedm.com, and I expect you to remember that stories from my street at creeksidedm.com. I may I may send that out in a reminder email this week, but your street is wherever you are on a regular basis. It's your neighborhood, your job, your haircut place. That's called a barbershop, um, <laughs> or a salon, if you will. Uh, the gym, restaurants that you go to often, whatever it is, that's your street. And here's the cool thing about occupying your street: that your street is not the same as my street. My street is not the same as your street. Sometimes I look at what other people are doing in life and I covet their street. It's like, man, God, why can't you do with me like what you're doing with that person? Why can't you do with me like what this person is doing over here and it's an awesome thing? No. My challenge to you is ask God to use you on your street. Because if you occupy the same street as the person sitting next to you, you're occupying the same street. If you occupy the street that God has called you to, we can cover a lot of streets. We can cover a lot of ground for the gospel, and we can reach a lot of lost and dying people and see them saved, right? So ask God to help you occupy your street. Ask God to help you figure out what your street actually is. And this is cool. I, uh, I was talking to Pablo about um, occupying your street a while back, and, and he came and we had coffee last week, and uh, he told me a story about how he loved this, this concept of Occupy Your Street. He shared it one time with one of his deacons, and that deacon was like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I, can, I mean, I can share the gospel with, with the people that are on my street. He goes, and his neighbor gets saved. Like, boom, I'm like, why does it not happen that way every single time? Like, that's not fair. Dude, you heard this one time, and dude goes, and his neighbor gets saved. That's not fair. But here's the deal. It is fair because God has the power to save people. You could occupy your street for years years and years and years and years and years and years and years with the same people and potentially get discouraged. But it's the power of God to save people. It's the power inside of you through the Holy Spirit to obey and do what he asks you to do. And then he will blow your mind. You pray this every day. God, do immeasurably more than I could ask or imagine. And then just wait. And press on, and press on, and press on, and he will. So today we're going to be in our last uh, two weeks. Starting this week, we have two more weeks in our Fruit of the Spirit series. Those who live in obedience to the Spirit of God will, will see the fruit of the Spirit produced in their life. Fruit is singular, meaning all of these things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we are empowered by the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we can live out and we will live out all of these things. Today we're going to focus on gentleness, and this is the hardest one for me. But I also have to realize that as much as I am, and this is what you have to realize, it's time to make it personal, as much as you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, to live out the ones that you think you're good at, you are just as empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to live out the ones that you are not naturally good at. The problem is we live with our sinful nature and Satan capitalizes on our weaknesses and he lies to us all the time, attacking us where we're already naturally weak. And so we think we struggle with, I think I struggle with gentleness more than I do with some of the others. The truth of the matter is I have the Holy Spirit of God in me to live all of them out equally strong. You get what I'm saying? So it really just comes down to a lie that I'm believing somewhere about the fact that I'm not a gentle person. Right? This one's hard for me. I look at this and I think about... What I struggle with as far as gentleness goes, I tell you this. I used to be a gentle person, and then I had kids. Right? I'm serious. I used to be a gentle person. Now, I was meeting with somebody this week who is the opposite for that person. That when they had kids, they become more gentle. I'm like, I hate you, dude. I hate you, all right? I'm just kidding. I love this person. But it's the opposite for him. For me, I, oh, this is funny. I was talking to Heather this, on Friday night. This is two nights ago, right? We had, it's the first week of school, so communication between us has been to a minimum. And uh, she said, hey, so what are you talking about on Friday?" And this is just after we had put the kids to bed. We had spent, like, I don't know, hours putting them to bed. when it's supposed to take, like, 30 minutes, done. And we're spending time with each other, right? It was an hour later. We're sitting down. We just sit down on the couch. We're about to turn TV on. Before we do that, she says, so what are you speaking on on Sunday? And I said, gentleness. And this was her reaction. <laughs> like she laughed I'm like okay I know exactly what that means Because both of us just spent an hour putting our kids to bed And you laughed because I said I'm speaking on gentleness Which means Nick for the last hour you have not been that gentle of a person Right like you do not have necessarily the authority You need to speak on this passage Alright But I've said this before When you pray for something like gentleness Right Or any, any of the things on the fruit That the fruit of the spirit are Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. You pray for any of those things. Do not expect God to just be like, okay, boom, you wake up the next morning and you have it, right? This is what you should expect. You should expect that that is a dangerous prayer, right? Right? You pray for gentleness, expect for the next several days or months or years, however long it takes of your life to be put in situations where you have to be gentle, right? Because in that way, you actually learn the lesson how to be gentle. And then God can use you in other people's lives to encourage them, and to show them how to be a gentle person. So in my case, I need to be a gentle person, so God gave me kids, right? It's like this. I mean, you get home. I get home from work, and if Mama Heather is upset, it's like, oh, no mode. It's like, kids, it's on like Donkey Kong. Who made Mama mad, right? I'm going to find out which one, and it's on right? Because I enter into that situation, now I'm ticked, right? And whoever made mama mad is, is, I mean, we're going to have words. This is not going to be a good night for you, right? When, think about it. How should I really enter into that situation? I I seriously, honestly, I do pray on my way home often, like God, whatever is happening at home, help me to enter into that, because I don't know I don't know what the house is going to look like. I don't know what is going on. And I can guarantee you, it is not Heather's fault, right? But help me, because my natural self, I'm going to do it wrong, right? I'm going to do it wrong, and then I'm just going to be a fifth kid in the family, or I don't know what's going to happen, but it could all break loose as soon as I enter into this house, depending. I really should walk into that house, First kid I see, give him a hug. No matter if he's crying, screaming, punching somebody, whatever, distro- breaking something, I don't know. I should just give him a hug, right? And then I should walk up to Heather, and with all the strength I can muster and the gentleness, give her a hug. Even though she doesn't want one in that moment, just hold on, hold on, hold on, and say, it's going to be okay. Just breathe, just breathe, right? I mean, that's how it should be. You have a point, I think. I think with a lot of this stuff, and gentleness is is a perfect example. You have a point. It's like the most frustrating thing in life. And you don't just have to apply this to children. You don't have to just apply this to kids. You can apply this to anybody that you're trying to be gentle with. Here's my point. This is where I can be gentle to. And you feel like, I am gentle, I'm gentle, I'm gentle, I'm gentle, I'm gentle. I snap, right? I mean, it's the point. Or it just shows up, it's like, I have been gentle all day long. Like I've, Sometimes I say to Heather, it's like, man, I did so good for 24 hours, I was gentle. But how am I supposed to do that? Like sometimes snapping is the only thing that feels like it works, right? But I am empowered by the Spirit of God to be a gentle person. So today, when we talk about God, when we talk about gentleness, I want to talk about it, gentleness with people and gentleness with God. In our society, it's this, you can do it, go get it, you can be whatever you want, and yes, while I believe that God wants to use every single person in a huge way, that he has empowered you through the Holy Spirit for something specific that he wants you to do on this earth, things like gentleness in a go-get-it and grab it by the horns and get it done, take charge kind of society, things like gentleness can be seen as weak. And then when you combine that with our natural bent toward evil and our natural response not to be gentle, right, naturally we are people who will react in harshness and in the flesh rather than respond in the Spirit of God. Matthew 5.5 5 says this, blessed are the meek. The New American Standard Version says the word gentle. Blessed are the gentle for they shall inherit the earth. What does it mean to inherit the earth? When you are gentle, the, the result is that you will receive all in this life that cannot be bought. It's not about materialistic things. It's not about your clothes. It's not about the house you live in. It's not about those kinds of blessings. But when you are a gentle person, when you are a meek person, you will inherit in this life everything that cannot be bought. Meek and gentle implies contentment. When we are calm, calm, calm and content with life, it's not contentment in in a negative form where you don't move forward with life. It's contentment and thankfulness for what God has given you. When we are calm and thankful and content with life, And we have no need to be harsh, and we can respond in gentleness. And so we need to define how we're going to look at gentleness this morning. Everybody, raise your hand if you've seen the the Narnia movie, The Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. Right At the end of that movie, Lucy is looking down from her castle on this beach, and Aslan who is a picture of Jesus in this movie, is walking on the beach, and she says to her friend, the fawn, right? She says, um, is, is Aslan tame? Is he good? And the fawn says, oh, he's good, but he's not tame. He's good, but he's not tame. My favorite lyric right now in, in a, in a, in a um, what's that called? A song, <laughs> it was really that hard, in a song is this. It's a, it's, a, it's a rap song by Andy Mineo, okay? And it says this, um, my God is good, but he's not safe. My God is good, but he's not safe. Y'all hear that? And would be like, yeah, he is. He's safe. No, he's not. God is a risk taker. He's a wild man. His thoughts are above your thoughts. His thoughts, his ways are above my ways. He cannot be understood completely. He cannot be known completely, but guess what? He makes himself known to us through the Holy Spirit of God. I love that because God is wild. He cannot be tamed, and guess what? He cannot fit into the box that we create for him. Whatever shape we have made God fit into in our life, he will always and forever break free from that box. We cannot tame God. God, I recently did hear somebody put it this way about gentleness. It's like a wild stallion. And when I think of a stallion, I'm like, first of all, a stallion, like that's a stud. Like if if you're a stallion, if you're a dude and somebody calls you stallion, that's a good thing, right? Right, it's a stud, right? And so this wild stallion is also strong. I mean, you think of a wild stallion, that horse is strong. But gentleness is like a wild stallion who has been tamed. Not in a way that God is tamed, but it's like this. Adventure, wildness, risk. These are things that are seen as strong character traits to a strong-willed person. And they're attracted to that, right? To people who want to be strong, we want adventure, we want wildness. We want to go out and grab it by the horns. We want to get things done, right? But the ability to rein that in and show gentleness toward another person so, shows extreme discipline and true strength. So here's our definition for gentleness for the morning. I want you to write this down or text it to yourself or however you got to remember this. Gentleness is strength under control. Strength. Under control, because get this, I got two daughters, and they ain't never getting married. I'm just kidding. When they do get married, if they get married, I want a gentle man to marry my daughters. I don't want a sissy to marry my daughters. I don't want a weak man to marry my daughters. I want a gentle man to marry my daughters, someone who is strong in their heart, even maybe someone who is strong willed, right? I was a little less strong-willed then. I got married to Heather. Now I'm a little more strong-willed. Anyway, she has shaped me and made me into a better person. I love it. I want a strong man to marry my daughters. But a strong man who can take that, rein it in, and be gentle with them in his strength, to be gentle with other people in his life, and to be gentle with his kids someday. Jeremiah 9:24 says this, but let him who boasts boast in this that he understands and knows me, God, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight. See, it's things that maybe in our society are not labeled as strong. God defines as things that he delights in. That's how we need to look at gentleness this morning. Gentleness is not a a, a passivity. It's not a curl up and do nothing kind of fear. No, gentleness is strength under control. It takes someone strong in their heart to be gentle, because it's the strength that comes from God through his Holy Spirit. So first we're gonna talk about gentleness toward other people. Proverbs 15.1 says this, a gentle answer turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up ang- anger. I had a situation in life recently where I have really had to step back for a moment and think about all of the steps along the way in this situation in my life and ask the question of myself. Ask the question and really confess it to God. God, you need to reveal to me Have I responded with gentleness in the Holy Spirit in this situation, or have I reacted in harshness? Have I responded through the Spirit of God with gentleness, or have have I reacted in harshness? These are good things. This is a good question to consider about yourself every time... You're dealing with whoever it is. If it's a spouse, if it's a coworker, if it's a kid, if it's someone that you're having a hard time with, you got to ask that question. You got to ask God to help you and to empower you in those moments with the Holy Spirit to respond with gentleness rather than react with harshness. In that Proverbs verse, Proverbs 51, a gentle answer turns away wrath. That word gentle in the Hebrew is is rock. And it means this. A tongue that speaks with kind prudence, softly, gently. It indicates how a mother sees her child as tender, beloved. A soft or reconciling word. And the opposite is the result of, of harshness. It's wrath. And here's the word for that in the Hebrew is eseb. I don't really know how to say it, but that's how it's spelled. And it means this, to cause sorrow or pain. So in other words, a kind, soft, tender answer, a tender word, turns away sorrow and pain. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So here's an example in my own life. My, My kids, I use my kids a lot. I love my kids. Can you tell I love my kids because it's amazing to me how the people that you love the most sometimes can make you the most angry also. But I think it's because of how much I love them and I want so much for them to learn the lessons they need to learn in this life that it pains me all the more when I feel like they're not, right? And then in those moments, Heather has to remind me, dude, she's two. You know what I mean? And so, I had a situation, like, I don't know, a few years ago, that really has stuck in my head. Every time I interact with Judah, or right after I interact with Judah, I think about this situation. He says to me one time that the the conversation was getting fairly heated, and it was probably one of those moments that I showed up uh, from work, and um, he was the one that made mama mad, right? Right? I don't know, but it was probably one of those situations. And we were, we were getting pretty heated with each other. And he looks me right in the eye, and he says, Dad, when you react to me like, when you respond to me like that, when you yell at me like that, it just makes me want to do it even more. It says, it makes me want to be bad. I was like, oh, snap. In that moment, that was my gentleness peak right there. But I thought about that, and I think about that long and hard. You see how a gentle answer In that situation, I mean, he just proved to me that Scripture's right. He proved to me that God is right about these things. Is that a gentle answer can turn away wrath. Even though in that moment I was pretty upset with him for being too smart, you know, and using that against me. It's like, dude, you were right. You were right. You were right. And I had to go back to him and apologize later on, right? Because if I had responded gently, maybe it would have diffused the situation. Maybe he would have responded differently to my discipline and it all would have been different. Even if you are right, get this, I want you to hear this, okay? Because everybody always wants to be right. It's probably the number one reason why you're the last person to apologize in a fight. Right? Because you want to be right. But get this, it may be better to be gentle, than to be right. It might be better to be gentle than to be right. So I want you to think about that and evaluate on a self level. How can I react? How, how, can I, how do I treat others? How can I respond? Respond is connected with gentleness because it, it implies this pausing to think about and ask God for help in your response. Reacting often gets our our uh, natural response, which is to be harsh. So how can I respond in the Spirit of God and be gentle rather than react with harshness? And then we think about gentleness in God. And when I think about gentleness in God in my relationship and your relationship as humanity to God, and that, that at our core, humanity and our sin is an offense to Him, and yet He is still gentle with us, over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, I'll bring it back to the kids again. I think about how frustrated I get when they just don't learn the lesson. And I've tried to teach it to them over and over and over and over and over again. There's a story in John 8. It's of a woman caught in adultery, and this this is by far one of my favorite stories in the Bible, I've used it many times from up here, but it's about a story story about a woman who was caught in adultery, and by their law, the religious leaders could have stoned her and put her to death because she committed adultery. So you've got this woman brought out by the religious leaders, by the priests, by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, brought out into this public square, and they've all got stones in their hands about to stone this woman. And Jesus comes on the scene, and he looks at all of them, and I'm pretty sure with gentleness in his heart and gentleness in his words, he gets down on the ground and writes something in the dirt. We don't know what he wrote. But then he stands up and he looks these guys in the face and he says, any of you that have never sinned, go ahead. You have my permission. Throw the first stone, right? And they knew in their heart of hearts that if they said they had never sinned, they would be lying and they could not do that. So one by one, they drop their stones, And they walk away. And it's just Jesus and this woman. And in all the gentleness that anyone could ever muster, this is Jesus, walks up to this woman and says, Woman, look around. Is there anyone left to condemn you? Right? And then Jesus, being the only person by his own standards, he could have then picked up a stone and said, But I am perfect, so I can stone you. But he didn't. He said, is there anyone left to condemn you? Being the only person that could condemn her said, neither do I. And then he said, now go and leave your life of sin. This is how Jesus is with us. Because every single one of us deserves punishment. But because Jesus came and was gentle with us and was obedient to his father in heaven, he looks around and says, hey, look, no one can condemn you because everyone around you is in the same boat. But guess what? Neither do I and neither does my father. He is gentle with us, his children, even when we continually get it wrong. So does God have that snap level? On our preacher in the gym guy Facebook page this week, somebody asked the question. They sent in a message, um, and if you saw the video, I responded to that. But it was a message: Does God, does God like have a limit of forgiveness? Does God ever get tired of forgiving us? Does God ever, ever get to the point where He just snaps and says, "Forget about you" because you're not getting the point, right? God, there is nothing more powerful than the cross of Jesus. Christ, I want you to turn to Matthew, eighteen, Matthew chapter eighteen. If you don't have a Bible, there could be one in the seat in front of you. You can go on your phone, whatever you do, it'll be on the screen too. But Matthew eighteen, I want to read you a little story. Verse twenty three, Matthew eighteen twenty three, says this: Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle. One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, begging him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant, servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found One of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, a lot less than what he owed his master. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place then his master summoned him and said you wicked servant i forgave you all of your debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as i had had mercy on you and in his anger he his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart do we get this I mean, do we get what God has done for us? God has been. And you gotta make this personal. You can't look at the person next to you and say, I'm better than him. I'm better than her. I'm doing better than this guy at work. I'm doing better than cousin so-and-so. You know? We don't compare ourselves to the people around us. We look at ourselves and say, yeah, I have messed up. I know my own heart and God has been gentle to us in forgiving our sin debt when we come to Jesus. And yet we got to ask the question, how do we repay him by the way that we are or are not gentle with other people? Now I tell you this, this week, studying this and looking at gentleness has been really convicting for me. Especially like yesterday, the day before I preached. This happens often where Satan just attacks But the kids have been in school all week long, and oftentimes at the end of the first week, it's the hardest, right? Because they're exhausted, we're exhausted, everybody's exhausted, everybody's string is pretty short. And we had them out all day yesterday, and God really gave me an opportunity to try to be gentle. But I really needed to, this week, have this self-check. And I asked myself the question, what is the best way to pursue not only gentleness but to pursue the fruit of the spirit to come out in my life right and the best way is not to work on each of these individually here's the best way to pursue any of these is to pursue god pursue god pursue god if any week you have come away thinking i'm terrible at that one right pursue god Pursue God, pursue God, because all of these things are lived out perfectly in who God is. So gentleness is strength, it's strong, it is strength under control. It includes grace, mercy, forgiveness, because we have received all of those things from God, we give them to others, but it takes an amazing strength to be humble enough to answer gently, to act Gently rather than harshly. Because harshness is our natural bent. Gentle takes an amazing amount of strength found in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the band is going to come on back up here. And I want to, I want to read you this one verse. It's from Romans 5.8. It's from Romans 5.8. And I want you to make this personal as you think about the fact that we're going to take the bread and and the cup this is stuff that jesus at at the last supper gave to his um, disciples and he says as often as you take these things as often as you have bread and wine i want you to remember what i have done for you and so you know i said that the the solution to to being more gentle to solution to seeing the fruit of the Spirit come out in your life is to pursue God. Well, it all starts here because we don't we don't have the ability to be in the presence of God all the time and pursue him on a daily basis without Jesus dying on the cross and tearing the veil so that God's presence is with us all the time. So that's what we remember here this morning. But make this personal. Think about your own life. Romans 5.8 says this, for God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You can put it this way. While I was still sinning over and over and over and over and over again, he was gentle with me. So we're going to worship together and we're going to take communion and remember Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross of himself for us, God, that in our sins we didn't have to clean ourselves up. We didn't have to get right with you. (laughs) Jesus died for us and he said, here is salvation, believe in me. And so we believe in Jesus and he cleans us up. The Holy Spirit of God gives us the power to live out the fruit of the Spirit. And God, it all starts here. We're thankful (laughs) that when we were stuck in our sin, when we were repetitive and just kept offending you, kept offending you, kept offending you, you were gentle with us and gave us Jesus. So help us in these moments to make it personal, God. We thank you for Jesus. In his powerful name we pray, amen. Challenge this week is to ask God to teach you through His Holy Spirit how you can be a reservoir of the fruit of the Spirit. Not just gentleness. Gentleness for me is something that I struggle with, but for you, how through the Holy Spirit of God can you learn to be a reservoir of the fruit of the Spirit? And people will see who you are and it'll be a reflection of who God is. And they will see His glory and turn to Jesus for salvation. That's the challenge. You pray that every day this week. God, make me a reservoir of the fruits of the Spirit, of the fruit of the Spirit. And so we're going to sing this, this chorus one last time. And you see people around the room raising their hands. We've already song, sung the song, I Surrender. But oftentimes what we do with our hands is a outward posture of what our heart is doing so if you feel led I want you as we sing this to give God everything you've got to raise your hands and this is the posture of your heart to say I completely and fully am standing here before God completely surrender to him he is the only one that can change me and make me the person that I need to be out in this world after I leave this room so we raise our hands to him and we say I stand in awe of the one who gave it all. He gave everything to save the world that he loved. So this is our proclamation to him as a church, that we will stand by the name of Jesus Christ to love the world around us. So if you feel led right now, raise your hands up to him, signifying the posture of your heart and your life to give everything you've got to him when you leave this room. Let's sing this together for his glory.